This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI Senior Writer, joined as always by my co-host, fellow senior writer, Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well. Glad to be back for another episode. Absolutely. And uh, joining us, sitting in uh, with us this week, is PWI contributing writer, Kevin McElvaney. How are you, Kevin? Good. Thanks for having me. Yes, we've got Kevin Wait, on. Kevin, Kevin's a real Kevin's a real guy. I thought that was another Bill After made up creation. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. didn't. I didn't realize he was real. Wow. I think well, we nice stopped doing Kevin. that. I think that was. I think Mike Bessler is the one that was made up. He's fake. Yeah. Oh yeah, probably. In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, Mike. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, yes, we've got Kevin on because, uh, for all sorts of reasons, just because we love Kevin, obviously. Uh, but we're going to be talking a little Bound for Glory, a little Impact Wrestling. Uh, their big show of the year is coming up uh, this weekend. And uh, Kevin, actually, for an upcoming feature, talked to the latest inductee into, I guess, the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, the Monster Abyss. And we're going to be uh, hearing that audio later on in the show. And... Uh, Thought it'd be a good uh, opportunity just to kind of check in on Impact Wrestling, the former TNA, uh, talk a bit about the card for this Sunday, but also sort of an overview on, on what's been going on with them. Uh, we'll also absolutely get to talking about uh, all the news coming out of Super Showdown, the big WWE show in Australia uh, last week, uh, not the least of which is the return of, of Shawn Michaels and DX. Uh, Dan and I talked a little bit about it in the last uh, podcast, but it is now uh, official, so we'll get into uh, all of that. Uh, right now, let me tell you a little bit about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It is our annual PWI uh, 500. Uh, Kevin, uh, I'm sure listeners are sick and tired of hearing me and Dan talk about the issue. Uh, every year, you got a ton to do with it uh, as well. Um, what's been the feedback right. you've gotten so far on this year's issue? Well, you know, there's usually a lot of pushback. Um, <laughs> every, everyone has some kind of issue i mean a list of 500 guys and, and you're putting them in order and you know we, as plain as we can make our criteria people are going to disagree with how we rank people and, and of course that's fine um and it's nice it's nice to see some debate but you know i think this year maybe a little less than the past four or five years even this may be the, the least amount of negative feedback i've seen i think people if they don't necessarily agree with the exact order are overall pretty happy with the at least the, the top five top ten and yeah. then, of course, there can be dissension as it gets further along the list, as there always is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan and I have talked about it a little bit, too, and, and I totally agree. I, I can't remember not necessarily that much positive feedback, but lack of negative uh, feedback. Uh, <laughs> and that's a good thing, right? I mean, uh, right, I, I, I do think that more than in most years, um, the consensus is we, we mostly got it right. And as you touched on, <laughs> you could bicker about, you know, whether this guy should be 7 or 9 or 15 Sure. Uh, but, but, you know, the big news is always number one, and I don't hear a whole lot of people complaining about our uh, number one, uh, which is uh, Kenny Omega, the IWGP champion on the cover of the magazine. Um, Dan, since we last talked, uh, you know, Kenny's further solidified his, his place as the top guy in uh, New Japan. Um, just, just got a big victory in a three-way match with uh, Ibushi and Cody. 
uh, and now seems, you know, ready for the big Tokyo Dome uh, main event. Is is the choice looking as good as ever? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I mean, it, it's only been, I mean, that, that's still the newest issue on newsstands, so it's not like it's aged too far yeah. out. But, you know, I, I think it's still timely. I think Kenny Omega is still the, the, the hot hand right now. Uh, personally, I'm kind of expecting him to drop the belt at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I mean, a lot can happen between then and now, but uh, I, I think Kenny is, is a, a really good contender, a great challenger, but I don't think he's necessarily a long-term uh, champion for New Japan. Um, so I, I think that we, we kind of got him at the right time, and, and he uh, peaked right as we were coming up on the end of our grading period. So, yeah, I think he was the right guy at the right time. Yeah, and, and actually that goes to, to what my take was in this year's uh, issue, kind of reflections on the 500, and it's about sort of momentum and, and timeliness. And, and sometimes when a guy really achieves, uh, you know, the, 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 the highest rung of his year, uh, the, the kind of high watermark, early in the grading period, our choice might not age that well, right? Um, but in this case, not only did, did he win the IWGB title near the end of the grading period, but it actually came after we already put the list together and we ended up reshuffling it to, to make him number one. So, yeah, he's probably as, and maybe that has something to do with, with the positive feedback we've gotten, is that he's about as fresh a number one as, as we've had um, in the list. Uh, but it is the yeah, and there have been years. Yeah, for example, the year where we had Miz at number one. Yeah. Uh, by the time we made that selection, he was already coming down. Yep. And then by the time the magazine actually came out, which was several weeks after we had already made the ranking and written everything, got it all together, which is kind of the reality of the league, the the lag time in the publishing game. Um, he was already back to the mid card, lower mid card, Very and he was on the cover, and it was just tough timing so yeah momentum is is a huge uh factor in, in everything absolutely and you can read more about that again in uh the pwi 500 it is i what do we call it the december issue i think um and uh it's available right now if you're a subscriber you already got it in uh your mailbox by now i think by now you could probably also pick it up at newsstands uh or you could download it uh directly uh from your computer, desktop, laptop, mobile device, uh, get the digital edition, which is also a little bit cheaper. And uh, the place to do all of this is at pwi-online.com. Uh, as as we say this, we are wrapping up our next issue, which is going to include uh, the Women's 100 and have uh, a, lot, uh, a lot more in there. I've got a, a fun feature on uh, Cody Rhodes and sort of his legacy as NWA champion. I got to a chat with him a couple weeks ago, so that's going to be a fun feature. Um, uh, Kevin, can you tell us more about the uh, the interview you you did with Abyss and and what the uh, the story is there? Sure. So I mean, I, I it was a pretty quick chat with Abyss. He was he was busy that day. It was at, it was actually the morning of his birthday. Um, and in the interview, you will not hear me wish him happy birthday because it completely <laughs> slipped my mind, which I, I got him later. So yeah. Um, but we spoke, of course, that the big thing we wanted to talk to him about was uh, that he's, as you said, being inducted in the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, on Sunday. It's on Saturday, actually. It's Bound for Glory Sunday. So uh, on the 13th of October. And uh, so we wanted to talk to him about that, but not just that. Um, of course, along with that, reflecting uh, on his career, his time with Impact, and he's one of the few guys that have been there more or less I really, arguably, the only guy who's been there since day one. He was literally on the first show, um, and he's been involved in different 
to different degrees since then. But more recently, he's been involved in a backstage capacity and creating the show behind the scenes. And that was a, a big part of our conversation as well. Yeah, yeah. So the, it, it, it's interesting, you know, when, when you when the name surfaced of him joining the uh, the Hall of Fame, uh, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have, I think, the marquee value of some of the names they put in the past from Sting or Kurt Angle or, or those types and uh, even to lesser extent, Jeff Jarrett. But he's a guy that I think when you heard it, uh, universally, the reaction was probably like, oh, yeah, you know, Abyss. He's he's a homegrown guy, been there, as you said, mm-hmm. from, from day one. Um, and maybe in some ways... Uh, a, a little underrated, kind of unsung in terms of his contributions, not just to, to Impact, but to the industry over the last, whatever it's been now, 15, 16 years. Uh, so, yeah, happy to see him get that that uh, recognition. Um, again, Absolutely. thing to do to, to read Kevin's piece, my piece, uh, Dan's uh, Women's 100. Uh, and, Dan, you got a, well, we won't spill the beans here, but suffice to say you got uh, an interview with the number one ranked wrestler that will be featured in the magazine, right? Yeah, and uh, I've I've been uh, working with uh, the office uh, the past couple weeks. Um, the the one hundred women's one hundred is all laid out. Uh, I've been proofreading some of the pages, looking at the galleys. Uh, saw a look at what the cover looks like, and we have the interview with uh, with number one, which was a heck of a get. And uh, it looks amazing. It, it's one of the, the, the best-looking issues uh, that I can remember us doing. Uh, and I'm really, really excited about this one coming out. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great issue from top to bottom, I think. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I, I imagine it could be a pretty big seller for us uh, and a pretty newsworthy interview. So uh, you'll definitely want to check it out. I think we, we might have the audio here, right, uh, in the coming weeks? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it will be here on the podcast. We'll probably roll that out, I don't know, maybe two weeks from now, maybe three weeks, uh, right before the digital edition comes out. We can make the reveal of number one and uh, and have that interview. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Great, looking forward to it. Uh, again, thing to do, pwi-online.com for the 500, the women's 100. Sometime after that, we got our year-end awards, so it really is kind of our busy season. So, uh, don't delay. Get over there. Subscribe now. Uh, while you're there, please follow us on Twitter at official PWI. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and drop us a line here, PWI Podcast at Outlook.com. Uh, and leave us a positive uh, review, please, on iTunes or, or whatever your uh, I what do you call it podcast uh, platform uh, of your choice is. Uh, all right. Um, while we're on the topic, like, again, we, we don't talk too much about Impact Wrestling, but this is probably as good a time uh, as any to sort of check in on, on where they're at. Uh, early in this year, it might have been the very end of last year, I feel like it was early this year, uh, I interviewed, uh, what's his name, Scott Demore and Don Callis, who were sort of like, you know, the, the new regime at Impact, uh, just months into them coming in, I remember them sort of asking them, you know, where where they thought they'd be by the end of the year, that kind of thing. And I remember Don Callis in particular being really bold and saying, you know, by by the end of 2018, Impact was going to be uh, a truly buzzworthy wrestling promotion. It was going to be hip to watch Impact. Uh, Kevin, l- let me start with you. Uh, have they gotten there? I think they're close. Um, certainly if you want to look at this time last year or even just a few months back, I mean, they've really turned a corner and so much credit goes to uh, Don Callison Scott Demore for that. And 
the direction they've taken things. I think um, it doesn't feel, uh, trying to put this delicately, it feels like a destination for, not just for fans but for wrestlers now, whereas I think there was this perception before that uh, that Impact was sort of losing was losing direction, losing steam, uh, that a lot of people were signing with them, but they weren't necessarily sticking around. And I think it feels like a much more cohesive product now, and, it, and it's by and large a wrestling-centered product. I mean, there, there are certainly backstage se- segments, there are, there are some promos, but it's centered around in-ring action. And I think, I mean, this, this is what people want. And yeah. we know that. We, we know that intuitively. We know that for a long time. Um, but I think it's becoming undeniable. And the fact that Impact is listening to that is really making a huge difference. Yeah. Dan, Dan what is uh, Impact doing right and what are maybe they doing wrong? Well, uh, I see I see a little bit more wrong than right. Um, yeah, the, the Impact did turn a corner, um, but then again, uh, the boundary or the, 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 the bar was set so low that it, it was almost hard for them to get any lower uh, from, from their, their worst days. Uh, the thing is, yeah, uh, Demore and, and Callis, or as you say, what's his name, Scott Demore, which I love, <laughs> that, that ought to be his new nickname. <laughs> um, uh, they're... Demore is a great wrestling mind. Uh, Callis is uh, to a degree too, but I, I'm more familiar with Demore's work, um, and having known him and, and and seen his stuff for many years. Uh, I live on a border town to Canada. I bump into him at Canadian independent shows pretty often, um, and he's he's a really interesting guy. Uh, the thing is, impact in my opinion in watching it. They're throwing a lot of stuff out there, and none of it really seems to stick. Um, I, my biggest criticism with impact going into bound for glory which is their wrestlemania it's their big event this should be the show that has had the big build-up in all of the storylines for me there's not really a compelling match and i know we'll go through the card a little bit more but there's not one strong draw that really kind of brings me in as a fan and and i I was thinking about it and wondering why that really is because it, it reminds me of a great restaurant with all the ingredients but no chef um, you've got great ingredients. You can put them together, but you're just not getting somebody who can put them together the right way to maximize those ingredients and get the most out of it. And my thought, as I thought about this uh, earlier, was WWE is a TV show, and its storylines is built to have, and, and you can have criticisms of it, but it's designed to have storylines of episodic TV that build. Um, Impact is basically a bunch of the boys running a show. So they'll do matches that have great spots. They'll have things that pop the boys in the back. Nothing particularly builds week after week after week. So in my opinion, Impact has kind of become a glorified indie. Um, it's taken a bit of a step backwards, but it's a good indie. The matches are good. It's just that it's not compelling television. And if you're trying to charge uh, $39.99 for a big pay-per-view event, and really trying to put yourself out as being big league, you can't just have another super indie spot fest. And yeah. to me, it looks like that's what I expect Bound for Glory to be. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think it's a, it's a fair uh, sort of description of, of where they are now to kind of uh, say that they are in an indie. And that, that doesn't necessarily have a negative uh, connotation, but I think of like when you go to a WWE show and there are fans outside the building hanging, handing out there's very glossy like postcards about... Uh, some indie show that's coming to town that's not even like a group that you ever heard of, but has a bunch of guys who you've kind of heard of, and then other guys who 
you know, kind of look legitimate. And that's kind of where they are. You know, they, they've they moved um, away, I think somewhat by necessity, of having just the the ex-WWE guys. Uh, and, and again, by and large, they just can't afford them uh, anymore. So I, I don't know how much of that is by design and how much of it is, again, they just they don't really have much of a choice. Uh, but at the, at the same time on that, though, the main event is yes, that was point ex-WWE I was guys. Yeah, so, so yeah, right. Yeah. So I as mean, much you as could they, go with the Moose. Yeah, a Moose or a Brian Cage, and really get behind those guys, and and that's a great opportunity to do something new and really build something. But again, it's it's that not having a chef; it's just falling back on that same pattern of, hey, this guy is on Survivor, let's use him in the main event. Hey, this guy was in WWE a year and a half ago and kind of underperformed, but we can really get something out of him. Let's do this and and recasting castoffs rather than building something unique. But that's kind of where they're at, right? I mean, uh, they 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 need to get attention for this. Um, the reality is, uh, and and maybe they deserve some criticism for this. They haven't really built any stars um, on on their own that would be strong enough to headline uh, on their own their biggest show of the year. And I'm sure their expectations for this can't be that much in terms of a pay per view buy rate. But you've got Austin Aries, who not only has uh, some WWE cred, you know, I'd argue that that's not really what he brings to the table. I mean, he had a, a, a name way before he was in WWE, and, and if anything, uh, WWE he was had kind a of a pin stop. An right, he did more in Impact than he did in, in WWE. Absolutely. And, was, and John so Morrison was, as well. It, it, it's been years since so. John Morrison has been associated with WWE. Um, and, and you're right, sure. he's on Survivor, and I think the Survivor thing probably means more than anything else right now. Um, what what do you think of this main event? Is is this you know again? Is this them just kind of relying on the guys who are kind of familiar, or is this a solid good main event for for Bound for Glory? I mean, I think it's going to be undoubtedly it's going to be a great match. I mean, those are two guys who can go, and it's getting to be. I mean, they're actually going maybe even a little overboard if you're following both those guys on uh, Twitter with the personal attacks. But uh, at the same time, I mean, Aries. I, on, on one hand, yeah, he came back to Impact, and I mean, pretty quickly in the main event scene again. But they haven't just been emphasizing, they're emphasizing the legacy of this show a lot. So Bound for Glory, as we said, bigger, biggest show of the year. And Aries was an Impact guy. He was minted in Impact, really. I mean, he was ROH champion before that. But when he really stood out was when he, he uh, defeated Bobby Roode for the Impact title. So... That when he came into WWE, it wasn't some like, oh, here's a guy who's really good from the Indies. No, it's, it's it's Austin Aries, this guy who's really established and who was on national television before. Um, certainly not at the level WWE was, but people were familiar with him. And I think he brings that, and I think he brings a little bit of that legacy. They've been showing, um, not just they've been posting these on Twitter, but also showing during the broadcast some of these old Bound for Glory matches and reminding people, okay, yeah, this is sort of a, a brand in transition right now, but it does have this heritage and this history to it. And they're trying to get back to that level. Now, I mean, it's going to take a while to get there, yeah. but they're working on it. And I think, I think a match like Air, with uh, Aries and and well, Johnny Impact now, if it does feel a little bit rushed or undercooked, I mean, I think you have to start somewhere. And I think ideally, they would have, uh, you know, some of these matches they would have been building from this time last year. But you have a new regime in charge, and you have these new storylines that have to be built up. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself if we're going to go through other matches on the card. Yeah, I, I don't want to go other... through, through every match. I mean, the overview is, uh, I mean, I guess sure. one of the big selling points is it's New York City, right? So they're certainly yep. making a lot of that. 
uh, a, a venue called uh, the Melrose Melrose Ballroom uh, in Astoria, right. Queens, not too far from me. Uh, I hope to be able to get there. I hear it's sold out. That's a good thing. Um, I'm not yeah. familiar with the ballroom, so I don't know what it seats. I mean, I can't imagine it, it's all that many. It's not but huge, yeah. No, I know, uh, yeah. I think Evolve has run there, maybe. Uh, no, right, it right. was, um, I think Major League Wrestling has, has run there, but it seems like more local promoters are kind of discovering this place um, as a sure. venue. Hopefully it looks good on TV. That's one thing that, that I I think they still really struggle with is the, the look of their uh, television and again, that's just a product of, of you know not having that that big an audience. I got to check out an impact uh, taping. Uh, what is this is about three years ago now when they were still out of uh, Orlando, and I guess sometimes they they are in there. And man, when I tell you, I don't know if there were a hundred people there. And um, they they all, you know all that considered, they they do a nice job of dressing it up as much as they can on TV. Sure. But but I think. I think that's part of it too, Dan. Is uh, even the the atmosphere of the tapings feels like an indie, right? I mean, it's like there's just a smattering of fans there in in the venue. Yeah, and and that can work. Uh, it, it's difficult to make it work. Um, for me, I, I just I think I mentioned in the last podcast, but I recently read uh, the the Death of the Territories, the book about the WWE WWF national expansion of the eighties, um, and. You know, at that time, the, the studio matches, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions was doing it up until 88, 89 maybe. Um, Memphis is doing it for a long time after that, Portland. Uh, studio wrestling was a thing where, yeah, yeah, you'd only have maybe 100 fans, but it was geared to be a TV product. And it was geared to draw fans to the live events. And in that sense, it worked. Vince McMahon had this idea that he wanted every arena to look full. He wanted it to look bigger than life. And everybody, to, so that they didn't get left out, so they didn't look like Bush League, uh, kind of rushed to do that and abandon that model. Now, the studio-type setting with 100, 200 fans, whatever the case may be that Impact has done, can work if they're doing house shows and if they're doing compelling TV. And they're not doing right. either. So what you've got is, yes, it's a glorified indie. And here, you're going to have great matches, and fans are going to chant, this is awesome, and that's great. Um, but it's it's just you're spinning your wheels. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a quick overview of the the card. Uh, I, I think probably underneath that main event of Austin Aries and and uh, Johnny Impact for the uh, well, terrible name by the way. I don't know why they're using that. I mean, why don't you just call the guy John Hennigan? Um, it goes a lot further. Uh, underneath that, um, I think probably sort of the the co-main event probably be uh, Eddie Edwards versus Moose. I think those guys are guys you could look at as, you know, built from within. Moot Moose, well, both these guys had uh, had a reputation in Ring of Honor, but I, but but not WWE guys, and I think Impact's done uh, a pretty good job of featuring them. Um, you've got uh, Tessa Blanchard versus Taya Valkyrie for the Knockouts title. Uh, and, I, and I think that's actually pretty significant, because you have Tessa, she has all this momentum uh, coming off of the All-In show. And then also... The the other thing there is that uh, she's also had some mainstream press coverage. I forget it's, it's slipping my mind, but a major publication just did something on her. So Tessa? she's non wrestling. Yeah, and I it? and and I guess they're playing up that Valkyrie uh, is engaged to Impact, right? So I think they put on a press release about right. that. So that's getting some some pub too. Um, right. Matt Seidel and Ethan Page versus Rich Swan and uh, a mystery partner apparently. Uh, Ohio versus everything versus Brian Cage, Phoenix, and Pentagon Jr. Uh, that could be a lot of fun. 
Um, and the only other match to see here is the uh, Latin American Exchange, LAX, uh, versus the OGs, which are the original Latin American uh, Exchange of Hernandez, Homicide, and uh, King in a concrete jungle death match. Um, so, you know, it's, I mean, that's to me, six matches. To me, that, that's the match. Yeah. I mean, I, I th- sorry, I think that's the match with the, the most story to it. So you have the, they've had the ceasefire storyline going on with, with the two groups. And not only the, the history that goes back years with the original Latin America, American exchange, but the fact that Conan, and I mean, I don't know how much he's going to do, but he hasn't wrestled a match in the United States in years. Uh, so I think just the, the idea of he's this really foundational presence in impact. He was involved behind, behind the scenes on air and just having him involved in some kind of match capacity. I think that feels like a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, if anything, that's where your storyline is. But Dan's point's still valid. <laughs> a lot of these are built up pretty quickly. Yeah, but I do think it's it's probably as strong a card as they can put on with what they have. So uh, give them credit for that. Right. Um, they've been hovering around, you know, 250,000 viewers on TV each week, which is, you know, pretty respectable, I'd say. You know, a a small fraction of what they did at their <laughs> height, right? I mean, a, you know, back in sure. 2010, 2011, they were, they were getting uh, 2 million viewers a week. So, uh, you know, I don't know that they ever get back there, but if they can tread water and even stay at this uh, level, you know, it... it it's something to watch. It's an alternative, another alternative to WWE. It, I, I do think, and this is probably, you know, sort of faint praise, but probably the, the biggest compliment I could give them is it does feel that, uh, the, the stench of TNA is largely off of them. Now they're still paying for the sins of the past, but I, th- I, I don't think, um, fan, a fan would be embarrassed to say that he watches impact, uh, anymore, where I do think that was the case for a number of years. Hmm. Fair point. <laughs> that might be the best, that might, like you, as you said, that sort of a backhanded compliment, but it, it's it's valid, and I, I I think they would feel good about that to some degree. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Super Showdown. Uh, any? Did you guys uh, get up at five in the morning on Saturday to see it? Either of you? <laughs> yeah. No, I. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Oh no! Wow. Did you get up, or did you? Have okay. you not gone to bed yet? <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit more. Uh, that's a little bit closer to the truth. But uh, yeah, it was. That was one of those shows where, you know, uh, scrolling through Facebook a day later, it's like, oh yeah, that happened. I got to get around to watching that eventually. And yeah, uh, yeah eventually I did. And yeah, you know, thank God for the network where you can fast forward. <laughs> well, I, I did get up at five, put it on, and quickly went right back to sleep after the. The, uh, the opening credits, essentially, and then uh, caught about the second half uh, live. Uh, you, you didn't like it, Dan? I got to tell you, I, I got a, a, a big kick out of it. I mean, not everything was a home run. I thought the main event was kind of a dud, but if you, I think there was enough good elsewhere on the show to make up for it, and uh, I guess if the comparison would be to the Saudi Arabia show they did earlier in the year, the other kind of big international stadium show, I thought this was worlds better than that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a terrible show by any stretch. It's just, I mean, uh, my my main thought is that, you know, WWE is just so oversaturated at this point that it's just, it's a chore to watch anything. Uh, I mean, between the three-hour Raws and SmackDowns and SmackDown Special and Super Shows and Pay-Per-Views and Evolution and May Young Classics and uh, 205 Live and whatever the hell else they're they're putting out there. Yeah, the mixed match thing, yeah. It's just, it's just too much content, and 
it's to the point where no wins and losses don't matter. So why why invest in it? Because it'll all go away with the next show. But I mean, for there was a great vibe there. The fans were really into it. The main event was unique, if not uh, a classic, and it set the stage for the next international show. And Samoa Joe and AJ Styles had a, a really good match, and there were good moments. And there was a title change, so at least something you know, kind of happened that affected the WWE universe. It wasn't one of these glorified dark shows um, that, that they just kind of uh, sold for, for another country. Yeah. Um, so it was okay, but I mean, it was certainly, um, you know, as an add-on, if you're already a network subscriber, it makes sense to watch it. But I don't think that they want anyone over to, hey, I, I want to really get on the WWE network because I can see uh, content like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the the weird thing, you talk about oversaturation, and, and I agree, and, and that's been uh, an argument for a long time, a complaint for a long time, that, that there's just too much. But now we've gone from too many events in, in general and even too many pay-per-view events to now it feels like we've got too many WrestleManias, uh, where it used to be like the, you know, WrestleMania was the, the one big stadium super show with all the pyro right. and, the, and the production, and this is the third one, you know, since April, uh, essentially sort of the, the third WrestleMania, uh, and we've got another one coming up before long, right? I mean, I don't know exactly what the scale of the Saudi Arabia show is, but I imagine they're going to do it up big, and now it's, it's not just that, you know, there's another event or even a, a pay-per-view event, it's that every show is the biggest show of all time, 70,000 people in, in a stadium, and, and, you know, we're bringing back John Cena and The Undertaker and Triple H and Shawn Michaels, and it, it, it feels like, whoa, slow down. I mean, what, what are you going to be left with for WrestleMania? And Triple H versus, uh, versus The Undertaker for the last time ever until the next big show. <laughs> So. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, the big news coming out of that, um, as we were expecting, uh, the fallout is Shawn Michaels is back. Um, they pulled the trigger on it officially on Raw. Um, you know, if you told me that, you know, nine years ago, whatever it is, that Shawn Michaels would be coming out of retirement and the, the reaction from fans would be sort of meh. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it, and I, I think uh, there's all kinds of ways where I think this was a misfire, but but the biggest was to bring him back. In in the selling point being DX, so it so they're not even concentrating on the return of Shawn Michaels, HBK, the Showstopper, Mr. WrestleMania, one of the greatest of all time. The selling point is DX is back, and I don't know about you, but but that does nothing for me. Yeah, that's yeah. For me, uh, I, I mean, for me, DX was. I mean, the, the ninety eight, ninety nine run. Uh, you know, honestly, after Shawn Michaels was out, um, you know, where they had the Road Dog and, and Billy Gunn and everything. Okay, that was DX, and it was fun for two years. And every subsequent reunion tour has just been literally cringeworthy, just embarrassing. It's like, all right, guys, are in your late forty. Like, it's you're not even being like edgy because you're PG and corporate, and it's it's just dumb. And but I mean it it you know it, it it's works for international markets. They sell merchandise. It gets Triple H in the main event. It gets Shawn Michaels a big payday. Fine, they're going to do it. But you think about how the reaction with Shawn Michaels is kind of meh. Yeah, it's it's because really Shawn Michaels was the worker of his generation. He was the guy who would go out and be the showstopper and and be the you know the main event. And right now there are. 
15 people, maybe in WWE, who are better workers than Shawn Michaels was when he was in his prime. Because the game has evolved to that point. Shawn Michaels going out there and doing some of his stuff and the super kick and whatever, that's, you know, that's fine. But it, it doesn't hold up as, as much. He was a great storyteller. He could sell. He could really make things mean something. His, his match against Ric Flair, for example, with the, you know, I'm sorry, I love you, super kick. I mean, that was amazing stuff. And a lot of the current guys don't have that. But when you're comparing Shawn Michaels and his prime athletically to some of the other guys, they're better. It's just that they never picked up on the nuance and the superstar charisma that Michaels had at that time that has kind of eroded with age. So, yeah, he's, he's, it's like seeing the Rolling Stones now. Yes, there were the Rolling Stones, but they're 40 years removed from their prime. So it, it's, they're a shell of themselves. But if they go out on tour, they, they make money. So Shawn's in the same boat. What are you expecting out of Shawn Michaels, Kevin? I, that's, so that's, I mean, he'll, he'll, he's not going to go out there and, and give 50%. I mean, he's going he's gonna to do the best he can with the situation. Uh, it's, it's not going to be a classic. I mean, it's just not possible with that type of match. So I, I think that's, that's nothing against him. It's nothing against anybody involved. But, I mean, you know, it's, um, as Dan alluded to, so the, the most, when we last saw him in the ring, I mean, there tremendous emotional weight storylines of history dragged out over multiple years, classic matchups. I don't think it's just that he won't be able to go like people see other wrestlers go now. I think one, I mean, there are some people who just didn't see him in his prime or, or even other fans that didn't experience much of his, uh, even his, his Renaissance later on. Right. So I, I think that's one thing. I think another thing is that the people who do remember him, are a little disappointed in this probably the best honoring of at least in the modern era of a retirement stipulation, maybe of all time. Right. So, so many times someone retires, they're back in the ring within a year or two and and he's stuck to it. And then he's coming back for this, a tag match that most people, most of his fans won't even be able to watch live because we'll be in bed. You know, so this is just, it's, it's not how I want to see him come back if he comes back at all. I have misgivings about him coming back on this event because I, I don't even know if I'm going to watch this event. I have some ethical issues with it, uh, even going down in the first place. The, the fact that no women are allowed to compete on it. I mean, I know they're having evolution, but come on. Uh, mm-hmm. So as a Shawn Michaels fan, I'm, I'm, I'm not excited for this. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Is it exciting news if it means the return of Shawn Michaels? So uh, maybe this is kind of like... Uh, you know, the soft opening, so to speak, in that... But why do we want a soft opening for Shawn Michaels coming back, Because right? that soft like, opening, you're probably going to pay him seven figures uh, for, for one night. So, well, I get why he wants it, sure. Yeah, I mean, what... what uh, I, I think the potentially the good thing that comes out of this is that... Um, and look, if Shawn never wrestles again, by all means, it, it's fine. The guy, you know, more than, than gave us enough and is in his 50s and all that. Um, that said, yeah. if this ignites something, it sparks something in him... Uh, you know, it could be that he's looking at this as as a one-off, but he gets back in the ring, realizes he feels pretty good, still has some gas in the tank, and if this means maybe we get Shawn Michaels and AJ Styles, Shawn Michaels and, and Daniel Bryan, or a host sure. of other matches, uh, then you know maybe that's the silver lining uh, at the end of the the, the rainbow. Um, yeah, but, I, I I sincerely hope I look like an idiot for suggesting this <laughs> is a bad idea in six months. I really do. Yeah. So. Dan, do you have issues just with the fact that, 
you know, every everything aside, that you're talking about four men uh, in their 50s, in some cases, uh, you know, questionable health, uh, I'd say. I mean, I think Sean's probably in, in that mix. It, you know, cosmetically looks great, but you see his eyes, his, you know, they, 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 um, it looks pretty rough. It looked rough when he was last wrestling, and, and it hasn't gotten uh, any better. You know, we know uh, uh, the Undertaker is is feeling the effects of a thirty year career. Uh, so, you know, I, will, will you be uneasy just watching this, or you think some fans will? Well, my biggest issue is you mixing the metaphor with the silver linings at the end of the rainbow. Is that right? Did so I get that's that right? my biggest. Issue. <laughs> well, where do silver linings go? <laughs> I didn't say that. It's the silver linings at the end uh, of the rainbow. No, uh, all right, but, no, well, I want this um, corrected. <laughs> so where where do silver linings go? So it, with the dark cloud. Oh, you're black, right. Every dark cloud it's is all, silver lining. It's you have a pot like, of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's all like astrological. <laughs> How does the silver lining at the end of a rainbow even <laughs> it's work? All, it's all meteorological anyway. stuff. It's all like weather uh, related. So, all right, uh, but no, I mean they, these guys. I mean they're they're pros, and there's some of the, they're all hall of famers, and. Um, you know, they know how to work safe. Um, and I'm sure that they're taking the time to go over the match and everything should be fine. And injuries can happen to anybody, but I have no misgivings about it. I just think it's going to be a lousy match. And I mean, but here's my, my bias. I wasn't a fan of Shawn Michaels 20 years ago. I I never Mm -hmm. cared for Shawn Michaels. I know he's great. I've I've just never really liked Shawn Michaels and the prospect of seeing him come back again, could not care less. Um, Undertaker wrestling again, great gimmick. Haven't cared for an Undertaker match in six years. Uh, Triple H, he's good. Um, he's, the match at WrestleMania was fantastic. Uh, the, the with Angle and, and Ronda and everything. But all of his matches follow the same formula, where it's all smoke and mirrors and outside the ring and brawling and sledgehammers and everything else, because that's what he's good at. And it's just, okay, it's another formulaic, forgettable match where it's a big payday for everybody involved. No one's going to humiliate themselves. No one's going to hurt themselves. But it doesn't do anything. You have guys like Seth Rollins. You have guys like Braun Strowman. You have guys that Kevin Nash, in an interview somewhere online this week, made a controversial statement, as he always does, but that nobody cares about the young guys. And that's debatable, but the downward spike in viewership of Raw is definitely not debatable. I mean, it's almost half from where it was four years ago, five years ago. I think from uh, five and a half million to three million or so, something roughly off the top of my head. But those guys, yeah, if Shawn Michaels is coming back, put him in the ring against Seth Rollins and make Seth Rollins a star. Do something with it. Do something that's going to have there, long-term you know? consequences. But but it doesn't matter because now the the the... the newness of Shawn Michaels making his return. That's great. I'm interested if he's on makes his return and, and it's a lot of diminishing returns. The further out from that first match, it gets the less important it becomes. I don't know. If he doesn't I, I don't know first that I match, uh, agree. The reason I, I disagree is that I think, and, and maybe I'll be proven wrong here, but I think there is at least the potential for Shawn Michaels to be the best thing in that match. I mean, uh, the reality is, uh, two of those guys, Undertaker uh, and and Kane, at their prime, weren't the most exciting guys uh, to watch in in the ring. Uh, Triple H was, but as you said, he had a kind of a certain style, not always the most exciting, very kind of methodical. Uh, Sean uh, and and I couldn't disagree with you more in terms of what the guy brings to the table. Sean at at his best, I think, 
is on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, one of the great storytellers, if not not the greatest uh, in, in the history of the sport. And uh, I can believe that he still has a lot of that uh, in him. So uh, I think it's very possible that Sean gets back in the ring and, and almost right away is one of the best guys in the company. Um, and uh, I don't have terribly high hopes for this match. But again, if, if it lights that fire uh, under Sean and if he's in some good shape and is inspired, I think we could really uh, have a pretty amazing run here with all the, pon- the uh, opponents he has. Uh, but, but right, what, what you're sacrificing is that return match. The, the return match, the comeback, uh, has a high likelihood of being a dud. I, I mean, I, I don't know where they, they go from this. I, I don't know who wants to see another Shawn Michaels Undertaker no, match at this no. point. You know, so or, or Shawn Michaels Triple H, we've seen a hundred times. Um, a thousand if we count house shows. Um, so I think there, what you're saying about diminishing returns, there, there's a point to it, but I just keep remembering uh, when AJ Styles debuted for WWE a couple of years ago. So Royal Rumble match, he's eliminated. Not a big deal, right? Nobody, nobody expected him necessarily to enter it and win it. He was eliminated in kind of a cheap way. That He didn't waste his debut match. But he went into WrestleMania and lost to Chris Jericho, who, while doing, like, doing a lot of interesting things now wasn't necessarily the height of Chris Jericho's prowess. I mean, he was sort of in between things at the time, if I remember. And I remember feeling kind of disappointed. AJ Styles comes in, he loses to Chris Jericho at his first WrestleMania. And I thought, wow, they've really dropped the ball with him. They only get one first WrestleMania match with AJ Styles and they blew it. Who even thinks about that now? Yeah. Everyone just thinks about how, how he turned it around and, and because he cared, he, he made it a great run. And I mean, nobody's going to look ahead in a few years, unless they do something terrible, like, uh, you know, moppy levels of terrible with him. No one's going to look ahead in a few years and think, wow, wow, WWE really destroyed AJ Styles. So I think just because we have this match that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot doesn't mean that he can't do some more meaningful things. Afterwards, I'm just, you know, he's everybody's getting older in this match, and I've, time will tell. So, I, I, I again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope... Um, what Al was saying about him uh, getting this, this, well, regaining his smile, getting the fires back and <laughs> fire back in his eyes, and 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 going on this great tear again. I, I really hope that does happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, not not too much to cover uh, otherwise uh, on the show. Uh, one bit of news really happened uh, the night after the show, and I guess somewhat played out there too. Is uh, I want to ask you guys about uh, where this whole Shield storyline is going. Uh, you know. Leading up to Super Showdown, they teased dissension with uh, Dean Ambrose. They got through the match basically fine. I think there was some miscues in there and and, and all that, uh, but they got through it. Uh, next night on Raw, Ambrose walks out. Uh, you know, I I think uh, we haven't. If there's going to be a split, we haven't quite seen it yet. It looks like there's still some more chapters uh, in this story. Uh, but Dan, uh, your thoughts on this? Does it, it is the timing right? Uh, could they use Dean Ambrose uh, as, as a heel in on Raw right now, uh, or is it kind of premature to be splitting the Shield? No, I mean this the Shield split previously, and bringing them back together was a nice little reunion. And there's some of the best workers uh, in the company, um, uh, or the biggest draws, the hottest act, whatever you want to say. Uh, it only makes sense to have them kind of, I mean, what good is a faction if somebody doesn't turn on somebody and, and lead the big money matches down the road? I mean, 
It's happened with every faction, other than the Freebirds, I think. Um, but it, it will happen. It makes sense for it to happen, especially because Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns have chemistry and, and genuinely like each other and, and will work pretty well together, I think, and could have a really good uh, hot feud, I think. Uh, the challenge is, with WWE trying so hard to you know get the fans to rally around Roman, um, you know, they're going to rally around Dean Ambrose, and, and they may have undone all of the, the, the rub that, that Roman got from the Shield reunion by, by doing this too quickly, unless they really find a masterful way to, to heal Dean Ambrose and, and really turn the people against him. Um, but I think that they'll deliver a, a nice program. I think they could have some good matches. Or, or however Seth Rollins gets involved, wherever it plays out, I think those guys can have some really good matches between them. Um, and I have no problem with breaking up the shield at this point. It, yeah. It's just that if you do it, do it, have you know, have it some because the fans are invested in it. They they like the shield. Um, they like maybe the shield more than its component parts. Um, so when that dissolution does happen, the first time when Seth Rollins turned and, and, and leveled the other two, waffled the other two with the chair, it, it made him a, a superstar overnight. It became meme worthy. Uh, you saw like people did with what LeBron James uh, laying out people when he left uh, um, the Cavaliers. Like it, it became like a mainstream kind of gif online, right? Um, and it, it really resonated with people. Yeah. If they're going to do it again, they need to make it have that same kind of impact and and really use it to make a star turn out of one of the guys, if not two. I, I wonder if they fall into the same situation that they did with uh, Becky Lynch and um, Charlotte, where you know Dean turns on uh, the Shield or or at least on Roman Reigns, and you've got everybody cheering, you know, the heel Dean Ambrose and booing uh, Roman Reigns. Um, Kevin, what what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Whew. Uh, well, it's a lot to chew on. I think, uh, I mean, all three of those guys, to, to a different degree, could use a change of pace shot in the arm. I mean, the Shield reunion has provided that short-term, but long-term. Uh, I mean, especially Dean Ambrose with all the time away. Um, I think if he comes out of this, and whether it's, he's feeding with Roman or, or Seth, I think he, he needs to reinvent himself a little bit, just because I, if you're pulling away from the Shield again, and it doesn't just look like these three members of the Shield, floating around and each doing their thing. I, what's, what's his angle? Not, not his angle, but what, what's his, his aim at that point? What's, what's driving him? Um, I think, I, I mean, Tom will tell you, I, I don't think we're going to get that huge turn because I, I think one of the big, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember them teasing the heel, the, the, the heel turn from, well, not, not just from Seth Rollins, but I don't remember them teasing a split all that strongly before. I remember thinking, one, it was a little too soon, but also, wow, I did not see that coming. So, I mean, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention at that point. Maybe my memory is playing tricks on me, but I don't think they're going to pull back on this. And Dean Ambrose is not going to do the heel turn next week. But yeah, he'll I, do it in a few weeks, and then we're expected to be shocked, and that's, we're not going to be shocked. Is there a chance that They've he doesn't do it at all, and, and this is a whole big swerve, and Reigns turns or Seth turns or none of them turn? I mean, that, I, mean I, I don't see Reigns turning. I think there's just too much investment in him being what he is right now. Um so uh, I think they've they could Seth could turn, but I mean they've done it before in the same way. That'd be a mistake. Uh, I, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. One, I, one... I think that Reigns turning, Reigns turning would get he would have. I mean, he's already got nuclear heat. If he really went full villain, 
I mean, he could be, you know, Brock Lesnar level, whatever, just super. So when a babyface finally does beat him for the title, it, you know, it would make him an overnight sensation. I don't know if WWE wants to go down that road because I, I saw a few weeks ago, I, I just happened to catch it on. Uh, Rowan Reigns is on, I think, College Game Day or something, some pregame show on ESPN. And he is so good at being the company man, coming out and slapping hands and improving and, and looks right. like a star and, and just looks, you know, like Jason Momoa, but bigger and stronger. And, and I mean, I know that Vince Man loves that kind of mainstream exposure, and he can give that. You don't get that from Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins or almost yeah. anyone else on the roster because he looks like Superman. But right. if you did turn him heel, I think it could do wonders for him in the long term and really start to spike business a little bit. As long as they have the right baby face, hopefully somebody fresh and new, uh, the new Daniel Bryan, if there is one, uh, to chase him. Yeah, yeah. One, one side note that, that I wanted to mention, uh, which, which I think is a cool little thing, um, is it's been really refreshing to have uh, Renee Young on commentary and such an interesting dynamic that I don't remember ever having of uh, a woman calling uh, her husband in, in the ring, you know, uh, calling the action as her husband is in the ring. Uh, and it, it's just so different, so fascinating. I think it has worked to add um, another element to the whole storyline. And it hasn't been shoved down your throats, so it's been subtle. Um, and, and I think it's done a really nice job of, of adding another uh, dimension. And that's something that you're going to see because you never have women on commentary. And if you did, what are the odds that she's married to one of the top stars in the company? So um, now, now imagine this. Imagine this. And I know that we'll probably never see it in this day and age, but it is wrestling and anything can happen. Roman Reigns' heel turn involves Superman punching Renee Young. Oh, my God. No. Get out of here. I know. I, I know. I know you say that. No, but, but no. I mean, there have been heel terms. I mean, you think of Tully Blanchard sla slapping Baby Doll. You think of when, um, sure. uh, 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 was it Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho where Michaels accidentally hit his wife or whatever with the Jumbotron or the, the Jericho 5000, whatever. Are you saying accidentally I mean, or I intentionally? probably doing something creatively where you can interpret it either way. But if they did something like that, oh, my God, I mean, the heat would be incredible. Now, I know in this era you don't want man-on-woman violence, you don't want anything like that, but this is pro wrestling, and, you know, that is a storyline that would work. I mean, I, I so my, my laughter back there was not at the storyline, but at Al's just visceral reaction against it. Like, no, get off the phone. Like, kinda, <laughs> well, this is up there with uh, your idea of uh, the New Day <laughs> turning on Hulk Hogan or, or whatever it was. Yes, <laughs> woke Hogan. I was thinking about that the other day. The, the New Day turns on him. Hogan becomes woke. You know, he, he wants to become, you know, very, wait, very. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. That's not what I, where I, oh, wow. <laughs> no, it, it, like, all of a sudden, so I was, I was thinking about it the other day. I was thinking he, he would do his promo like, let me tell you something, brother or sister. I don't identify by gender, cousin, you know, something like that, right? Like, he's so woke. It would be amazing. Woke Hogan. Well, Wolf I mean, Hogan's the best that, gimmick. That's out there. I mean, some, some, some independent wrestler is using it already. So that's, it, ha it has to have woke, happened if it's on the ether like that. Wokeomania is running wild, baby. Wokeomania. <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks so much, guys. Uh, right now, let's hear from the latest inductee into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame, the Monster Abyss. All right, so congratulations, first of all. 
for oh, the, thanks, uh, man. I appreciate the it. Impact Hall of Fame uh, induction. So, um, how did you find out? Who broke the news to you that you were going in? Um, you know, Scott Moore and Ed Nordholm. You know, Ed Nordholm, the, the president of, of Anthem and and, uh, and uh, Impact Wrestling, and then Scott Moore. Uh, you know, uh, told me, pulled me aside, told me. Uh, um, in Toronto, actually, when we were doing the Toronto tapings back in August, so so I knew for for you know a few weeks that it was what was happening. Right, right. And uh, and how did you react? What were your feelings? Once you oh man, in? just you know like uh, I I don't even know how to describe it. Like uh, such a feeling of uh, of accomplishment, such a such a great feeling of reward, kind of just uh, you know to be recognized, you know, by my peers and by the wrestling community and the wrestling world for, for my body of work over the last 16 years with, with Impact and TNA and, uh, you know, 23 years in the business, 95, you know, it just, it's the ultimate reward. You know, I, I can't imagine there being a bigger night in my career uh, than, than October 13th is going to be. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, you've been there, so, uh, of course, like, like I said, you've been uh, wrestling longer than that, but you've been with Impact for, since the beginning, and right. nobody else can say that at this point. Um, so looking yeah. back on that, I I, I got to imagine you've been looking back on your, your time with the company and, and re- reflecting on it a little bit. So uh, are there any moments that stand out as highlights of your, your time with Impact? Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch, you know, like, uh, you know, there, there's more than I could probably sit here and tell you in two hours, I probably could rattle off, uh, you know, enough to, to fill up your recorder. You know, there, there's so many moments, man, and right. so many cool things, but there's a few, you know, what, you know, that stand out more than others and you know, winning the, winning the, the TNA world title in, in 2007, uh, versus Sting <clears throat> would be one of them. Uh, main eventing the first lockdown pay-per-view ever in 2005 with, with AJ mm-hmm. Styles would definitely be another one of them. And uh, Barbar Massacre with Sabu in, 2000, in 2006. And, um, you know, th- those those would probably stand out as as career highlights. But, uh, you know, you know how could I, how could I, I'd be kind of stupid if I forgot uh, or left out, you know, standing in the ring with Hulk Hogan teaming with Hulk Hogan on live television right. uh, in 2012. You know, that, that that's something I'll, you know, I had to pinch myself. I, I couldn't believe it was actually happening. So that, that was a, that was another pretty memorable moment too. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of moments there. So, I, so recently, of course, you've not been, you've been competing, but not, not so much for impact that, you know, and a lot of uh, other promotions, but you've taken on more of a backstage role. So could you talk to me a little bit about what that was like, uh, what led you to do that and how that experience has been? Uh, you know, it's been great, man. You know, like I love the business. I love the wrestling industry and, you know, it's something I, I it's in my blood and I, I don't want to ever want to leave it or not be a part of it. So, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to agent a little bit here and there over the years, you know, back in 2008, in 2009, mm-hmm. I, I sat in on some of the creative stuff, and you know, then I was obviously out of the, out of, the, out of that for a few years. Uh, I was just focused on wrestling, but you know, the opportunity came back in 2012, 11 and 12. I I, I started producing and agenting, and just loved it, man. You know, just great intrinsic feeling, great feeling to help 
most of their talent um, to have achieved their goals and achieved the company's goals. Um, right. You know, so so it's it's been great, man. I, I you know I never thought that I would get the intrinsic feeling of of, uh, of accomplishment, helping you know two pieces of talent, you know, uh, get it done and get it done right. But I was wrong, you know. It's just such a such a rewarding feeling, and you know I still wrestle, and you know you'll still see me on Impact, but but that's kind of my main focus is the you know producing and agenting backstage and so forth, and it it's been great. You know, we've got uh, I think we've got some 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 great young talent coming up in the company and some really incredible uh, performers and athletes, you know, both men and women coming up in the, in the company. Right. So uh, actually that leads me to my next question. So I obviously in that hands-on role, you're, you're getting to see it. You're getting a different perspective on the men and women that are coming up. Is there anyone who's particularly caught your eye or a couple of people who've caught your eye as, as people to look out for maybe people you see a little bit of yourself in? You know, yeah, man. There's a, there's quite a few there. Like I, I love our roster right now, man. It, it's the hungry, hungriest roster in, in all of wrestling. There's no doubt about that. I, I dare anybody to bring me guys that are and, and girls that are that are more passionate and more hungry about succeeding. You know, but there's a few that you know, like the Sammy Callahan really stands out to me. Um, the guy is just full of ideas, and he's. You know he's aggressive and he's he's you know if anything he's the kind of guy you got to pull back sometimes but but he really is you know he's an all star you know but but there's uh, you know Brian Cage is another one Killer Kevin Cross is another one um, Rich Swan is another one and um, uh, on the on the on the girls side of things uh, Tessa Blanchard you know mm-hmm. is somebody I think who's just uh, I mean she's an all star and I think a star just just uh, in the early stages of her career. So, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of young talent there, a lot of hungry talents, and, and I think uh, I think it's been great. You know, it's really helped it's really helped us refocus the company and get the company back on track, get, get, just some, uh, get back into some success like we had in the past. In the past. Great, great. So, I, so obviously doing this is, is a different experience than, I mean, you're still wrestling, but is there – you know, anytime I talk to anyone who's, who's wrestled, it's, it's talking about the, the thrill of being in front of a crowd and the rush you get uh, performing. Is there is there a rush that's comparable to that when you're backstage and you're watching something that you produced or something that you that you wrote? Yeah, absolutely, man. And that was the part that uh, there absolutely is. And it's to me, it's just, it's it's the same as if I'm standing in the middle of the ring. And, and that was weird. I I never thought that that was possible. You know. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. In the wrestling business, it's a very self-serving, it's a very self-centered world. You know, you're, you're worried about yourself. You're worried about your push. You're worried about where you're at on the show. And right. that's just the nature of the business. You know, so I never thought that I was going to be able to do to be a producer or be an agent and get that same feeling that I got in the ring. And once I started doing it, I, I realized that I was wrong totally. Like. When I when I watch you know two guys whether it's Sammy uh, Callahan and Eddie Edwards go to the ring or right. whoever it is you know and, and I'm producing and aging that and those guys have success uh, you know and I help them smooth it out and rough up the you know, rough edges and, and and avoid some of the pitfalls that maybe I fell into and, and avoid some of the mistakes and that it, it, it I get that same feeling so so it it does it really does provide you that um you know it's uh I, I compare it a lot you know i'm a big football guy and and i compare it a lot to to a coach you know to a 
position coach or an offensive or defensive coordinator. That's kind of what your job is as a producer to really set them up, set them up for success. And when you do that, you really get that, that feeling back. You know, it, it's uh, something I, never, I didn't really think it was possible. So I really learned that was something I, you know, that was a big eye opener and something I really learned. So obviously career full of accomplishments, you know, all these, these championships, these, these classic matches, now going into the Impact Hall of Fame, uh, what is there anything left for you to accomplish as as an in ring performer at this point? What what's left on your what what do you still have left to prove? Um, you know, I I don't know if I have anything left to prove. Um, but I certainly have um the hunger and the passion and the drive to mm-hmm. to you know kick over some rocks and see see what else is there and see what else right. I can accomplish. You know, I, I never thought. You know, I, I didn't think, uh, you know, Joseph Park gave me longevity. The, the Joseph Park character really kind of mm-hmm. stretched out my career a little bit. And I never thought that was, you know, that was something that I never even thought was possible. So, you know, you never say never, but but I, but I have been very fortunate. And I'm very happy. I have zero regrets. I, 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 uh, I, I've had an unbelievable career, and I, I've had a, a career that I dreamt of having. So I, I actually did have a career that I dreamt of having, and, um, I've got zero regrets, and I wouldn't change a thing. Um, but I would definitely say that I still have the passion and the drive to to get out there and mix it up with some of these young guys still. And uh, you know, you never say never. I, I, I definitely think that there's a little bit more that I can do, and I, and a little bit more that I can provide the company. You know, um, right. so from a from a match standpoint. So we'll, we'll see going forward. I, I I think I don't think you've seen the last of the best, but. Uh, um, but I certainly have, have been able to cross off a lot off my bucket list over the last Absolutely. 16 years. There's no doubt about that. So I guess uh, last question. So you just mentioned that you would like to see us get in there and mix it up with a couple of the, the younger guys. Uh, is there anyone in particular? You know, uh, there's a few, you know, all those guys, the guys I mentioned before, uh, there's something about killer cross, Kevin cross. I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think Kevin cross and the monster abyss, um, would be a would an intriguing matchup that a lot of people would like to, to to see, just because of his demeanor, his background, his look, his toughness, everything, and and right. there with 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 Abyss, I think uh, would be a matchup people would like to see. Cool, good. Um, well, that's that's it on my list of questions actually. But did you have anything else that you'd like to add or that you would like to tell our readers? No, no, man. I don't know if you list the social media sites on, on the articles. If you do, um, I, I'm at the Real Abyss on Twitter, okay. and then my my website is uh, themonsterabyss.com. I don't know if you include those or not, but if you do, those are on there. But uh, just I would just like to thank. The biggest thing is I want to take the opportunity if you put it in there. I just want to thank the fans, man. Everybody who ever supported mm-hmm. me, anybody who ever whoever bought a ticket to watch at this, you know, just thank you for all the support over the years. And, you know, you, everybody's the, the fans are a big reason I'm, I'm going in the Hall of Fame and I, I appreciate it. Great. Yeah. I'll definitely make sure to get that in there. I just want to thank you for your time today. And, oh, dude, uh, I thank you, man. I, you know, PWI, I've been reading PWI since I, was, I can't even remember how long, dude. Like you guys yeah, are, me too. <laughs> you guys are the, you guys are the pinnacle of of, uh, of wrestling journalism, uh, the, the magazines and all that stuff. Like, like uh, I was really honored when I found out you guys wanted to talk to me. So thanks a lot. Yeah, it was great talking to you. And again, thanks for taking the time out. And uh, all right, great. Thanks again. All right, thanks a lot. Right, man. Have a good one.